Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. If you have been following or the preaching in this series, whether in person or maybe you have been going back home and listening to the recordings on the podcast as a catch-up, you may have noticed that in all these topics or teachings, there is a connection. And they all point to one thing, which is the importance of prayer. Prayer to the Father through Jesus Christ. Most often, people's stories are shared on preaching uh, the more joyous ones. The reality, though, is that in life, we have also sad stories, like the one that was narrated by Andy Armstrong, a very personal story. We have, amidst the joyful stories, experiences of people, on sickness, poverty, maybe some may have lost their jobs, or some may have lost loved ones. Such times when you feel very sad, especially when you are encountering some low moments, are the hardest times, especially when you, for example, lose a relative. Some say the most painful thing about losing a relative is when you lose them through sudden death. Yet others say, no, it's when you actually watch them waste away little by little. This, though debatable, It's something that is hard to ascertain which one is worse or which one is better. Because in all this, we are losing someone. And in some cases, we are losing someone that we dearly loved. I'm reminded of my own experience of losing a daddy, losing a father. I lost my father when I was 22. That time I just started working and my career had just taken off. I remember the year as it was like no any other year, he battled with life, he battled with his illness, which got worse and worse. He would be in hospitals, admitted now and again throughout that year. It was in 1992. The last, but one of his hospital admission was the hardest for me to take, as for some reason before he went into hospital, he called me aside and said he felt that it was his last time to be home, and he felt that he might not be coming back home. Very strange that he clearly said, 
he felt that he would not be coming home. He would not be coming back home. And that admission was his last one. That's how he felt. In fact, on that day, when he called me aside, he gave me responsibility. Responsibility to look after my five siblings. And also, surprisingly, he gave me one of his cars. He had two cars, and he said, you can take one of the cars, leave the other one for the family. But I give you this car as last thing that I can show love, my love to you. Amazingly, that was not his last admission, for he was discharged. Though he was dis discharged, in fact, he was no longer normal, I would say, because he had lost all memory. And it was the first time that I saw someone that I had seen from my young age and growing up, who could write, who could remember things. But when he came back from that admission, he could not write anything. He could not remember any word. And it was two days after that we had to take him back to hospital. Apparently, this time, we took him to a different hospital because we felt maybe we need to try a different hospital. However, within weeks, his health deteriorated. He had lost so much muscle that uh, going on to see him, no one could recognize him. It was just like something has been put on the bed. He had lost all the, it was just bones. That's how I can express it. The experience and memory that almost remained with me was on the day that we lost him. I just visited him in hospital. By all accounts, it, obvious, it was obvious that things were not okay. After considerable time in the hospital, I asked to go back home, but one of the neighbors, someone that we used to live next to at home, um, told me, advised me against leaving the hospital premises, saying I had to be around when things were to happen. Also, I just overheard because at 22, I was still considered to be young, so I just overheard that a pastor had been called to come and offer last prayers to my father. I did not understand the meaning of all that at that time. Despite this, some relatives who were allowed also to see him insisted that um, I still could go home. So I left the hospital. I went back home, but I could not stay in our home. So I decided to go and visit a friend nearby. It was while I was visiting that friend at around 10 p.m., I was summoned back home to be told that we had lost him. And from that time, 
at the age of 22 onwards, I took on a lot of responsibilities. I still remember it all because it changed mine and my family's life forever. Perhaps the passage today that I'm going to preach on, which changed the course of life throughout the world, has some relative emotional aspect that are similar to this story that I've just narrated, though not comparative as to scale and impact. Most importantly, how we are exposed when waiting or awaiting some moments to pass, such as depicted in this story that I've just told you, when you actually know that you are losing someone. Let's look at this Bible passage on this topic. Pray with Jesus, not my will, but yours. If you have got your Bible, you can read with me. It's in uh, Luke 22, Luke chapter 22, we'll read verses 39 to 46. Okay, I'll start 39. Then, accompanied by the disciples, he left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. There he taught them, pray God that you not be overcome by temptation. 41, 42, he walked away, perhaps a stone's throw, and knelt down, prayed this prayer. Father, if you are willing, please take away this cup of hollow from me. But I want your will, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him, for he was in such agony of spirit that he broke into sweat of blood, with great drops falling to the ground, as he prayed more and more earnestly. At last he stood up again and returned to the disciples, only to find them asleep existed from grief. Asleep, he said. Get up. Pray God that you not fall when you are tempted. Now, maybe we need to analyze each of these verses in this book one by one to see what we can pick up is happening here. Verses 39 and 40 when accompanied by the disciples, he left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. There he taught them, pray, God, that you not be overcome by temptation. To have a clear picture of what was happening here, perhaps throughout maybe this passage for today's preach, it is important to know the events that happened before and after this passage. Although in your own time, you can go beyond that. 
Before going to the Mount of Olives, Jesus and his disciples had just finished eating together what we now know as the Last Supper. On that occasion, he repeated what he had been always saying throughout his ministry that someone amongst the disciples will betray him. And he also repeated that he will have to suffer to redeem all humanity from sin. So just before the happenings in the passage that we have read, Jesus and the disciples had just eaten the Last Supper. Verse 15 of the same chapter maybe expresses the tone of voice with which he communicated what I've just said that he had always been saying. Verse 15 says, he said, I've looked forward to this hour with deep longing, anxious to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. And just to give you a picture of what happened after this passage, it was immediately after this that we see Judas Iscariot walking to him, kissed him, giving, giving him away to his captors to be crucified. Then subsequently what followed is the torture that our Lord experienced. He was then hanged on the cross. Of course, we have hope because after death on the cross, he came back to life in three days. He defeated death. Going back to verse 39, by saying that Mount Olive was his usual place, indicates that this was not the first time that Jesus had been there. However, the emphasis explains that this time things were different. In fact, this is more pronounced when he warns the disciples that they should pray so that they will not be overcome by temptation. Verse 40, we are not clear told what this temptation might be. However, one can see later on in the same night when he was captured that except for Peter, the rest of the disciples were nowhere to be seen. They had disappeared. And it was also immediately after this, like I've already said, that Judas betrayed him. And this, in a way, depicted the fall of man. And we shall see how we can redeem ourselves. And perhaps that's why we have this topic today. Moving on to verses 41 and 42, we should remember that Jesus was God's son coming to earth as a human being. 
He came down as a normal human being so that we can see God's representation with our own eyes. He was the one to take on our sins, especially as we had, as people had doubted God's power. Jesus, as you know, performed a lot of miracles. And he taught people how to love each other, giving us a picture of God's kingdom to come and the power that you acquire if you believe in God. Even first with death, Jesus portrayed his holiness in his submission to God, the purpose of which he had come to this world had to be fulfilled, and this was the time. First, with what was to come, of course, the humanly side, which is the physical body, may shake. And at this moment, perhaps you see the humanly side of Jesus. But the Holy Spirit would have been still intact. And Jesus, as an example, was obedient, even faced with this prospect that he was going to suffer and eventually he was going to die. But he had always in mind that the will of the Father, God, be done, knowing that in the hands of God there is grace and love. And even during time of suffering, if you focus on God, you experience that love. Verses 43 and 44, it's interesting that the topic for today in this series, Pray with Jesus, as I've already said, if you look at all the topics that we have been uh, looking at, you see that they gel together. If I can take you back to ask, seek, and knock, clearly, in this passage 43 and 44, Jesus, by offering prayer, he is receiving some response from the Father. The Father sent an angel to strengthen him so that the purpose of which he had come to earth should be fulfilled. And in verse 44, without going too much into symbolism, what Jesus was about to face was worse than any human experience one can imagine. Apart from the visible physical beatings, being spat at, carrying the cross, and being hanged on the cross, he was going to face the full fury of God's wrath against sin. This was a very awful experience. The break of the old into coming into the new covenant and the redeeming of his people. And as you can see here, paid by the blood of Jesus. It was an awful experience that he faced. Verses 45 and 46, even at the hour of nearing death, 
at the hour of being taken and being tortured, Jesus showed that he still cared for all. A love that he has shown to us all up to today. We may, of course, not know what was in the minds of the disciples, but at least maybe verse 45 gives us a clue as it says that they were overcome with grief. I'm reminded that sometimes as people faced with a problem, we believe in sleeping and hoping things will be all right by the time that we wake up. And that sometimes we sleep because we say, no, I believe if I sleep, this will all be a dream. And I'll wake up, I'll realize it was after all just a dream. Jesus teaches us that in moments of disappointment, suffering, in moments of trials, it is the time to intensify our prayers and not to leave it to sleep. He said, asleep, wake up. Pray to God that you will not fall when you are tempted. And to summarize these verses, this Bible passage that I've read, you cannot stop as a believer to acknowledge the love of Jesus because of what he did. He took all our sin and suffered for it. Afterwards, gave us hope in his resurrection, hope of God's kingdom to come. He always said, I'm going home to prepare a place for you. That's what he always said. Of course, the anticipation of suffering and agony only spurred him at this moment in this uh, passage that we have read. It spurred him more to look to the Father, to look to God. A big lesson for us today, that no matter the situation, we have to always, we have to seek to connect to God through prayers. There are some situations especially times of grief that are tiring both to the one who is suffering and to those who are supporting the one that who is suffering. I can relate to that in how I felt in the story that I narrated at the very beginning. These are situation that I've already said, maybe you just want to go to sleep and forget it all. You want to wake up and feel what you have been experiencing, what you have been going through was just only a dream. However, even in such sleep, it's more an uncomfortable sleep. It is in such moments that Jesus is teaching us that we should 
look up to the Father. Instead of just washing it away, going to sleep, we should focus on prayer. Talking of prayers, we need to do that constantly and consistently. The drops of blood in verse 44 is a figurative narration of the intense sweating that Jesus was experiencing. And this sweat or sweating came about because of the intensity of prayer that Jesus was engaged in. And it's all to sacrifice, to redeem us, so that we can experience his love as we are doing now. But more practically, what are we now supposed to do? What are we supposed to do, having read this passage, having held the story of what Jesus experienced? The passage that we have looked at, Luke 22, verses 39 to 46, carries a big lesson that the key to dealing with or overcoming worldly temptation is in focusing on prayer. Prayer is required to fight all temptations, be it in our actions or in our thoughts. In times of weakness, in times of disappointment, or generally in any low moments. Prayer is supposed to draw us near to God. Therefore, we need to develop a habit of constant prayers individually, in our own homes. We need to meditate in his presence, worship him. He gave us hope that no matter what we face with prayer, we can be sure of our Father to take us through those difficult moments. Of course, with our human hearts, we often choose the simpler ways that are in no way connected to the Father God. We seem sometimes to abandon his ways and go to sleep. He is saying, wake up and pray. And when you are praying, just remember these words that Jesus said. Your will and not mine be done. Let's have faith and trust in God. Our Father, God, is a listening Father. He sends angels, as we have seen in this passage that we have looked at today. He sends angels to redeem us if we pray earnestly. He will always be there. Remember, he's ever living. Not that the angel coming to Jesus just in this passage is not the very first time this happened. It happened in a similar situation if you go to Matthew 4, verse 11, where 
Jesus was being tempted by Satan in the wilderness. This was one of his other lowest moments. Finally, temptation reveals our character. To know someone, you need to encounter them in times of intense pressure. From, for instance, worldly troubles or tribulation is when perhaps you can safely judge who they are, what their endurance methods are. As some may say, do they lose it? <laughs> or do they still hold themselves together in faith and hope? God, your will be done and not mine. Let's put our trust in God. We can round up the preach for today in the series Pray with Jesus and especially on this topic, not my will but yours, perhaps by revisiting the teachings that we have gone through in the whole series. The first one, like I said, when I was starting, was our Father teaching us how to pray and that prayer is the most direct communication with our Father in heaven, as Jesus always teaches. Ask, seek, and knock, no matter the situation, we should put God first of everything, whether it be times of disappointments, troubles, even in joyful times, we still should focus on God. Let's be grateful for those joyous moments. Keep on praying, and you answer your prayers. God, to be merciful to me, just as Jesus summarized it all, the moment before he was betrayed, your will and not mine be done. We need to submit to him. Pour out everything to the Lord. He's a listening God. And workers for the harvest, each one of us, having heard the story that we have looked at today, and having understood its significance, have now to go out there and proclaim the name of Jesus as our Savior. He shows the love that God has to us as his people. Do not be asleep, but wake up and pray. Pray that you not be tempted. And one last thing, you may be there listening, Perhaps you have not found him yet. Perhaps some of his words and practices are not yet making sense to you. You may be there, you have questions about how you can truly come to Jesus. Or you just want to know more about the next step you need to take. God gives you the choice. It can be today. 
for you to make that decision. Just come near to him. Come forward. Speak to one of the elders of the church. They will guide you on the next steps that you need to take. But also perhaps you may be there, you're already a committed Christian believer, but you feel your strength ebbing away amid these disappointments in this world. I will urge you to recommit to a life of regular prayers and leading of God's words through the Bible. Every time we pray, let's remember to ask that his will be done and not ours alone. Jesus gave it all for us. He was sacrificed for our own sake, taking all our sins upon him to die on the cross. Those last moments should have been the most painful any person can bear, especially someone who is brainless. We can only ask for forgiveness as we commit to a life of persistent prayers. And to close the talk for today, the preach for today, perhaps it is more ideal that we go back to where we started from on this series. As the band come forward, Graham and Andy, when the Let's all stand up. When the disciples asked him on how to offer prayer, he taught us how to pray. In Matthew 6, verses 9 to 13. 